Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder! Woo! I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. And I don't love squishmallows. <gasps> I, I was thinking about this on the ri- ride here, because every time I leave to come over here, Ray and Trinity are like, are you going to talk about us? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I, I will. Yes, we and will so talk about you. Yesterday, we went to Costco, and while we're on the way to Costco... Ray and Trinity were like, oh my god, Alex, do they have Squishmallows at Costco? And I said, I sure fucking hope not. <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, we came home with Squishmallows. Yeah, I would have been a Squishmallow girl you, from way back. You you would have been a Squishmallow girl. I have a couple, girly. actually. Mm-hmm. I'll have to show them to you. Ray has um, an entire collection. <laughs> she, has so an, cute. she has an army oh, of Squishmallows. They're so fun and collectible. I want all of them. I got her one that looks like, uh, it's like a black cat, but it looks like Katniss. Oh. And every time I look like quickly at her room, I think it's Katniss. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> It's just, a, it's just a pillow. It's just the pillow. Um, no, I love them. I feel like that's the new Beanie Baby. It is. You keep your Squishmallows, people. Yeah. They're going to be worth like $10 one day. Keep those tags on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's been so long since we recorded. I know. We, we celebrated Dustin's birthday, Gaylene's birthday, the Super Bowl happened. And Clinton's birthday. If you don't say Clinton's oh, birthday, he's going to be upset. Birthday. Same day. Same, same day. <laughs> Uh, and and Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, Dustin and I got each other Lego sets, which uh, is fun. Kayla got me a Lego set for Valentine's Day. Ah, mm-hmm. I love it so much. I think it's my new obsession. Um, I think we have to switch seats because it hurts my neck to yeah. look at you. This I got way. you. <laughs> oh my god! Ow! I didn't realize my neck was hurting. Uh, oh, this is much better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. What else did we do? Oh, uh, I got, uh, I ordered Kayla these black roses that I got her before from, I think it's called Books. Because uh, yeah. I do a subscription service, so it sends her flowers every month. Oh my but they, they ran out of the black roses, so they sent her, like, my backup option, which is called Cherry Bomb. Oh. Which was, it was very bright red. It was very cool looking. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cute. That's fun. Um, we also... We went to Theater 99. Yeah, we both did. Because you had accidentally... I'm not sure how that happened. I, I tried to buy tickets for Friday night's show, and I accidentally bought tickets for Saturday's show, but we couldn't go to the Saturday show because we already had plans. Uh-huh. So I went back and bought tickets for the Friday show, and then I texted Kayla, and I was like, I'm going to see if Scarlett wants the Saturday show tickets. And of course, she said yes. Yeah. So we went there for Gaylene's birthday. They, um, it's like audience driven. So, so they ask questions. It was a lot of fun. And one of the questions was they wanted a suggestion for something that you say to someone whenever mm-hmm. you're leaving, mm-hmm. but not goodbye or see you later. Mm-hmm. And I yelled out, be, be fun, fun, have, have safe. safe. And they used it. <laughs> he was like, did you just say be fun, have safe? I said, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Dustin and I, for his birthday, we went to the murder mystery. Oh, like your first date. I know. It was so much fun. Except this one, you got to have a part. Ooh. And his name was Shelby Joe, And it was murder at the Redneck Reunion. Oh, hell yeah, brother. And my name was Cricket. And it was a oh, lot of fun. You look like a cricket. <laughs> it was so much fun. 
And then you all came over for the Super Bowl. That was super fun. Yeah. I didn't cry this year. I I had a big meltdown last Super Bowl. <laughs> what was that for I don't again? know why. I don't remember why either. Um, was it your mom? Well, it typically is. Oh, my parents' anniversary. Oh. Yeah. Why Why so many significant dates? Yeah. Why make me cry all uh, year round? Uh, Super Bowl Sunday this year was George's gotcha day, too. I know. Uh, R.I.P. Jorge. I know, Georgie boy. Mm-hmm. We started the podcast with him. We did. We, we literally started the podcast like a, around the day he got surgery. I know. My oh my baby. god. My baby babushka. Which was almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, his uh, surgery, his D-Day on his leg was March 8th. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. whenever we started recording. Mm-hmm. Damn. My little baby boy. R.I.P. George. We love you. Oh, and I got a gift this weekend. Oh. Derek found a movie for me <laughs> about our Lord and Savior. <laughs> George W. It's just called W. Just W. That's all you need. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that was really funny. I don't know if you found that at like a gas station or a uh, CBS or Walmart. something. It looks like one of the deep, like a, you know how Walmart used to have that big bin of like one to five dollar DVDs or CDs? Yep. It kind of looked like one of those. Yeah. I gotta ask him when we're done with this. W. W. Oh, it's so funny. I love it so much. Oh my goodness. Um. Okay, we are talking about a cult today we haven't done one in a while it's cult o'clock somewhere it is um and actually uh where we're going the state has the most cults in the nation uh california yeah yeah uh that checks out yeah not including churches otherwise it'd be utah or here or here <laughs> or texas or texas mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah all right i'm excited let's do it so we're talking about the source family oh my don't have any clue about them which is really funny because uh the the source it was a restaurant like a hippie vegan organic oh, raw food like restaurant source of the earth yeah that kind of thing in la and me and kayla were talking about our trip in may and uh, i was like listen I don't like bougie, fancy food or restaurants. And she's like, I don't either. She said, but one of my clients is from LA. And she, he said that there's like tons of like food trucks and like, like street food and stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, we'll be fine then. Yeah. Um, and as she's talking about this, I was like, that's really weird. Because that's what we're talking about on Sunday. Oh. Because that's what kind of restaurant this is. Oh, interesting. So we're going to California. All right, let's do it. So this week we're talking about California's most, one of, not the most, infamous leaders james edward baker okay aka jim aka mediocre white man (laughs) aka father yod 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 huh this cult operated in the 70s and it's a like hippie-ish kind of lifestyle yeah which i'm here for which is not cults but i'm I'm here for the hippie movement they're very similar to like uh the manson family oh but uh less killing So over the years between 1969 and 1975, over 150 people became subjected to the hypnosis of Jimmy Baker and The Source, which is his restaurant. Hypnosis? Well, you know, like... Oh. Like, yeah. Brainwashed. Brainwashed, devoted. Yeah. I got you. So the goal that each of these dedicated followers wanted to reach was a path to enlightenment. I've been there. Well, (laughs) yep. When in reality, they just gave all of their, like, lives and belongings to Jim Baker, who had total control over each of his followers. 
checks out. So Jim gets gets a lot of shit. This cult leader, though, unlike the others, actually did commit crimes with his own hands versus the majority who just get one of their followers to do it for them. Yeah. Because nobody in this cult actually committed murder that I know of. Interesting. Unless it was like after the fact. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So our California love boy practiced jujitsu. I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. I even looked up how to pronounce this and I couldn't really figure it out, but it's a kundalini that's yoga? it okay yeah you got it uh and he was a former world war ii veteran hmm. mm-hmm. not a lot of cult leaders that were in the war really uh, no not really a lot of murderers a lot of murder a lot but of not necessarily cult leaders yeah like your traditional like religious like i'm just taking control over your life cult leader yeah not a lot of them fought in the war yeah a lot of them probably went awol <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> could have been it at one point. Yeah. He was an incredibly charismatic man. Of like, course. Yeah, because they all As were. they are wont to be. Yep. But also presented as being very strong and powerful with the help of his military and karate background. Like, he was just a big boy. Huh. It was a huge draw for his cult followers, patrons, and employees at the restaurant he owned and operated. Oh, so it's his restaurant. The yep. source. Yeah, he owns oh. it. Mm-hmm. So James Edward Baker was born on the 4th of July. July. That's my grandma's birthday. 1922, where most murderers are born, Cincinnati, Ohio. Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) To his mother, Cora Baker, and Jim Sr., who was a firefighter that eventually abandoned his family when Jimmy Jr. was only six years old. Oh, Jimmy Jr. (laughs) Like from Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Jimmy Pesto. (laughs) So Cora, uh, after Jimmy Sr. left, was uh, on her own to support both herself and Jim, so she found work as a housekeeper. More tragedy hits the family in 1929 when the stock market crashed, leading to what we all know as the Great Great Depression. Depression. And Jimmy was only seven at this time. Hmm. So because of this, jobs were difficult to come by, so Jim Baker and his mother Cora were forced to move town to town looking for work just so they had enough to survive. Yeah, tough times. Yeah. So uh, Jim took him. Jim himself took odd jobs as well to help support the family, and the majority of them were like physical labor. And in later interviews, he credits these odd jobs as the reason for his strong physique, and he would have that pretty much throughout his whole life. Hmm. So he was a huge strong guy. Yeah. On the outside, Jim seemed like he was just trying to be positive about a situation with his mother, making the most of it. Uh, but in reality, he was just trying to find a replacement father figure that he could shape his own ideologies around. He wants somebody to look up to. Yeah, looking for that. And that first yeah. fake daddy would be Paul Bragg, who was the founder of Bragg Live Food Products, who was nationally known at the time for being a health food advocate. And I guess today he's famous for his liquid aminos. Don't know what that means. Sounds like something fake <laughs> it, it's a maybe it's amino acid it's like for your muscles and shit i think um, uh, he was a bodybuilder who traveled around the nation in the 1930s giving lectures on health and food benefits by eating an organic vegetarian diet hmm. meanwhile we just ate bowberry biscuits we did <laughs> The old Bowberry Biscuit and Bow Rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, that like ideology is not an abnormal thing like whatsoever. It's pretty normal now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then, it was considered a radical belief due to the fact that many Americans couldn't even afford food, letting me alone like eating an organic and vegetarian diet, which in itself is expensive. It is. Yeah. I did that once for about six months, actually. Really? Yeah. I Dropped c- like 15 pounds. Wow. I know. I could not. And I felt great. I'm not doing it again. No. <laughs> that's not my life now. We love pizza. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Paul Bragg, he was like, Hell yeah, eat really good vegetables. Clean eating. Eat clean eating. 
and have big muscles like me. <laughs> uh, so he believed and preached that eating this diet could cure any illness. Oh. He's one of these. Okay. Uh-huh. A cure-all, if you will. Yeah, see, you, Scarlet, if you would have stuck to your vegetarian diet, you wouldn't have had cancer. This is I your know. fault. It is my fault. Yep. I brought it on myself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it wasn't the years of stress and anxiety no. that grew a tumor inside of my spinal cord. No. It wasn't that. It's because you didn't eat enough broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, a lot of people considered him to be a con man. Well, we'll keep our thoughts to ourselves. Uh, but Jimmy Baker thought this man walked on water. Because at age 14, Baker contracted a horrible case of hemorrhoids that was so bad, doctors wanted him to have surgery. Instead... Jim Baker contacted Paul Bragg and invited him to his house, where Paul recommended that Jim eat a low-fat and high-fiber diet. And eventually, his hemorrhoids did clear up. Well, I he mean... He also probably took off of, like, the physical labor and shit. Um, well, I mean, if you eat high-fiber, you don't have to try as hard to poop, no, so... <laughs> just gonna be shitting that out. That's gonna... That makes sense. Yep. So, uh, Jim Baker, from that point forward, was an avid believer in Bragg's teachings and adopted an organic vegetarian diet, just like his hero. Hmm. This would also become one of the strong beliefs he based his future cult and restaurant on. Just because he helped him poop more. Just because he helped him shit. You know, my my doctors at uh, the rehab Mm -hmm. place, he was so funny. I can't remember his name. Doctor... (sighs) That's going to bother me. But anyways, his... His famous phrase was, to poop is to live. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong at all. Uh, If you've ever experienced issues with it, you will do anything to fix it. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So in 1938, Jim Baker joined the Civilian Conservation Corps at just 16 years old. Huh. What is that, like Red Cross and shit? Um, kind of. So this program was established in order to help create jobs by funding public work projects, like building bridges, roads, dams, etc. Oh, kind of like Habitat. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, Baker was in this program for the next three years until he found work at a printing plant in Chicago, Illinois. It's here that he finds love with the owner's daughter, Margaret, and marries her in 1941 at age 19. Hmm. And they have a daughter together who was born in the same year. Okay. Yeah, he knocked her up, so they had to get married. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, we don't know too much about the details of this marriage, or really his young adult life or childhood, besides what Jim said and told his followers. So, take take all that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, could be bullshit. Could be true. I'm sure, there's a little truth in it. Jim was determined to be a better father than the one he had, but unfortunately, he didn't have much of a choice in this matter because on December 7th, 1941, Japanese forces attacked Pearl Harbor, which jump-started the U.S. into their involvement in World War II. 19-year-old Jimmy Baker joins the Marines and actually enjoyed his time serving. It's here where he was stationed on the Pacific island of Guadalcanal, and he started developing an interest in Eastern cultures. Specifically, judo and jujitsu, which are both forms of martial arts. Yeah. He eventually became an expert in both of those styles and was serving as the judo instructor for the Marines. Interesting. Yeah. He's taking all his angst and doing something with it now. Yeah. Uh, He did have a temper, though, uh, and ended up showing it here when he got into a very aggressive altercation with one of the commanding officers and ended up punching him in the face. Which resulted in him being detained to the brig. To the brig! But it ends up making him a war hero. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, the brig reminds me of Spongebob. Spongebob. <laughs> Put me in the brig. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray loves her some Spongebob. Uh, oh my god. The first three seasons of that show, 
I mean, could you ask for anything more? I can't. I hate SpongeBob. <gasps> no, you do not. It's not good. Okay, you're talking about new SpongeBob? Because new SpongeBob, no good. They still make it? I think so. Yeah. Oh, they just need to cut this shit off. <laughs> but OG SpongeBob. SpongeBoy me Bob. <laughs> I could quote it all day. I know. She can too. I'm ugly and I'm proud. Mm -hmm. I'm ugly and I'm proud. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll cut it off. Sorry. (laughs) God damn it. I'm dropping Ray off here. She can have a SpongeBob marathon with you. So uh, while serving his time in the brig, his ship that he was stationed on actually got attacked on January 29th, 1943, which would eventually be named the Battle of Rennell. This ship was bombed by Japanese fighter planes, and he was released in order to abandon the ship. But instead, he went rogue and stayed on board and commandeered some of the anti-aircraft guns, and he shot down 13 Japanese planes on his own before the ship sank. What? Hell yeah. Did this actually happen, or is this him? He did this. He did this. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though he did disobey direct orders, his act of heroism earned him a silver star, huh. which is awarded for valor in combat. Interesting. Yep, he actually done did that. Huh. So, in 1945, after the Japanese surrendered, Jimmy returned to his family in Chicago. At 23, he was a decorated war veteran with an impressive work history. So he shouldn't have had any issues whatsoever getting a great paying job to support the family. Yeah. But instead, he was jumping around doing random shit. I'm surprised he did. Oh, that's the next line. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what doesn't he teach? Like karate. So he he did open a gym, uh, competed in jujitsu, acted in plays, but the income wasn't stable and it greatly affected his home life. So in 1948, he pulled a Jimmy Sr. and abandoned Margaret and his daughter and drove out to LA on his motorcycle with the intention of auditioning for the role of Tarzan in the movie franchise. That's... Fun. I'm not kidding either. This is what he legitimate did. He had his mind set on something, was like, I'm gonna go be goddamn Tarzan. I'm gonna go be a fucking jungle monster. That's funny. Let's go. Was it? What does he look like? Oh, hold on. Will. Okay. That's not <laughs> cute. At, he looks like Dustin. <laughs> is his hair? Look at that. Uh, let's see if I can find it. That's a kind he of He does kind of look like Tarzan. Yep. He's actually not terrible looking. Oh, there's him when he's younger. Oh, wow. Oh my. Yeah, not a bad looking dude. The picture on the right. Yeah, no. What is happening? <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, Jim at the time was very large because average man, probably like, I don't know, five foot ten. Yeah. Old Jimmy was uh six foot three. Hmm. So ideally he would have made a perfect Tarzan, but uh his acting skills subpar. So not great. Well, he never was an actor. Well, you said he was—he did plays and stuff, but yeah, like, but, I mean, that's no like professional little, training. No. You can't just walk into a movie You're set like, and be like, "I'm Tarzan. I'm the star. <laughs> Hire me." <laughs> yeah. He did, however, meet a nice lady named Elaine, who was a design artist on the set, and she convinced him to stay in L.A. And they married six weeks later. Okay. Yeah, that you hauled it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she would actually become his longest-lasting relationship. Six months. No, long time. Oh, married six weeks later. Okay. Okay. Yes. Jim and Elaine. They were both drawn to a peaceful and spiritual lifestyle, as well as counter-cultural philosophies and the occult. I'm here for that. Yep. (laughs) 
Uh, it sounds like you. Uh, and they ended up settling down in the Topanga Canyon area, where Jim supported the couple by hand-making leather belts and sandals. Wow. Yep. That's funny. That's you a know whole my vibe. father was really into making leather goods as a young adult. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so, Elaine introduced her husband to the writings of Manly P. Hall, who was a philosopher and cult expert at the time. Uh, we're in the 50s at the moment, by the way. Okay. Baker was obsessed with Hall's ideologies and became to see him as like another surrogate father. And he sought him out at his library in Los Feliz, which is a neighborhood in LA. And he quite literally sat at Hall's feet as a sign of obedience. And he wanted Hall to be his new mentor. Hmm. He's a strange man. One of Hall's beliefs that had a profound effect on Baker was that the astrological concept of the age of Aquarius. Whoa. Which denotes a... I was going to say, it's a very long age. It's very... I just learned this the other day. I No, I've never heard of this until I did this research. And I think we are exiting the year of Aquarius. And I think we're going to Pisces. What's the one right before Aquarius? Is it Pisces? Before? Yeah. Uh, before is Capricorn. Okay. So mm-hmm. it goes backwards. So I think we're going into the year of Capricorn. Oh. Yeah. Or, or the age of Capricorn. Okay. Which is like how many like 2000 years yeah uh 2160 is <laughs> oh. this period yeah uh so yeah supposedly uh this will occur when the vernal equinox moves into the constellation of aquarius <laughs> which um i don't know what any of that means but okay. uh old jimmy he loved it uh, yeah. and he was set to believe that the 60s and 70s were an age of enlightenment well So, the second one of Hall's beliefs that Jim really took to was that God has a name, and that name contains inherent power. There's a lot of cultures that hold or have held that belief, but Jim took this to believe that the Hebrew belief of God's true name being Yahweh, and that the four letters it's spelled with in Hebrew have divine powers, and Baker would then seek to tap into that power by using various combinations of the letters in his own name in later life. Is that where the yod comes from? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Huh. So uh, for now, though, we're in 1955, and Jim and Elaine were just loving life in the spirit of mind expansion in L.A. Hmm. But this wouldn't last long. Oh. On November 6, 1955, when Baker was 33 years old, his aggressive nature bubbled to the surface again, and he got into an argument with one of his neighbors in the Topanga Canyon area over the way the neighbor was treating his dog, which I can very much understand. Yeah. This argument escalated, and after threatening Baker with a knife, Jim threw the neighbor into a gully and actually killed him after striking him with a series of judo chops. Uh. But a jury declared this as an act of self-defense, and he was not sentenced. Judy chops. (laughs) Judy chops. Judy chop. He killed him? Yep, he killed him. Uh. With karate. Uh. Killed him with karate? Killed him with karate. (laughs) Oh my god. That's a lot. We should make that the hashtag, kill him with karate. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. So this situation affected Jim in a way that the war and the killing had not, and he threw himself into healing studies and finding a connection between nature, Whole Foods, not the restaurant, and total wellness. You mean the grocery store? Yeah, whatever. It's a restaurant, too. <laughs> so it did appear he had some remorse for his actions. He and Elaine fostered these beliefs into opening their first restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. The Aware Inn. Wow. Which is across the street from Tower Records and the Viper Room nightclub. Oh. 
Oh, why does that sound familiar? Well, it's on Sunset Boulevard, so it's fancy. Haven't a lot of celebrities died there? Maybe. Maybe. Did I just make that up? I don't know. Hmm. We'll look into it. So the restaurant was a combination of all the couple's belief systems, and it sent Baker on a launch pad of transformation from the new hippie little veteran to notable cult leader. Oh my. The Aware Inn became a huge hit with Hollywood health-conscious stars, including Greta Garbo, Marlon Brando, Steve McQueen, and it helped Jim become a celebrity too. It was considered the nation's first all-organic restaurant. Uh, Elaine designed the restaurant's layout and worked behind the scenes while Jim created the recipes, cooked, and was also working the floor. This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> I guess we've slowly been building to mm-hmm. it all going wrong. Yep. Baker grew into his new appearance. Got a lot of hair. He does have a lot of <laughs> hair. Uh, he, before, he was kind of like a slim, shortcut, kind of dark-haired dude. Yeah. Uh, then he kind of looks like Dustin in the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was very outgoing and loved talking and connecting with patrons, also like Dustin. Dustin would be a great cult leader. He would. Yep. He actually would be. be I'd follow him. Mm-hmm. Clinton, maybe not. <laughs> Dustin, great cult leader. <laughs> So he loved talking, hanging out with patrons, and he was very, very popular. I bet he was. With the young female patrons. Yeah, he's kind of a looker. He's, well, that's my kind that's, of look. That's so. kind of your kind of look. <laughs> I think it was the vibe. Yeah. Huh. So he had a lot of affairs over the years. Well. And he and Elaine eventually divorced in 1965. Womp womp. Womp womp. One of the uh, more scandalous affairs he had was with an actress named Jean Ingram, who was separated from her husband at the time. However, old Jean's hubby thought the couple was still being exclusive with each other and trying to work through things. So when he found out about the affair between Jim and Jean, he busted into the office at the restaurant on January 29th, 1963 with a gun. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Which is the anniversary of when he saved his uh, ship in the, the war. Oh, January yeah. 29th. Yep. Uh, a struggle ensued, and uh, Jean's husband did not walk away from this. He took blows to the head by Jim, as well as a bullet. Uh, it's not clear what actually killed him, whether it was the bullet or the blows to the head, but he didn't get off easily this time and was charged with manslaughter and jailed for five months until the charges were eventually dismissed due to lack of evidence. Yeah, I was going to say, he this was one seems more defensive or self-defense one. than the first one. The man had a gun. What did you want him to do? Yeah. Weird. But I guess because he'd done it before, they're like, okay, guy, All we, right. we need you to stop killing people. Stop it now. <laughs> uh, we get do, it. Do your yoga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the charges made Baker even more popular and business was booming. Hey. So much that he and Elaine opened up a second restaurant down the street in 1965 called The Old World. And it was also a success. Huh. Yeah, even, uh, what's the phrase? Bad press is good press? Yep. Something like that? Yeah, and like shortly after this is when him and Elaine got divorced, uh, but they were married for 17 years. Oh, wow. Yep. Huh. So through the divorce, Elaine took the Aware Inn, which is the original restaurant, and Jim took the Old World, which is the new restaurant. I love those names. Mm, I'm sure Those you are do. great names. <laughs> Jim, shortly after this, was hurting from the breakup so badly that he took a hiatus to Samoa. Okay. It's a story. This his story is hilarious. Uh, where he supposedly saved a native tribe from a diet of processed foods imported from the U.S. and switched them to a diet of raw and organic foods. Uh. Because of this, he saved the chief's daughter from her deathbed 
and in doing so was awarded her hand in marriage by the chief himself. Wow. But he grew bored of this and eventually left his new and third wife. After a few months, he came back to L.A. Huh. Uh, which... I think that story's bullshit, but I thought it was funny, so I left it in there. Yeah, or maybe that was the beginnings of being a leader. It could of be. Sorts. This was his story, though. Yeah. So uh, he comes back to LA, where he finds love again with a patron of his restaurant named Dora. She was a 19-year-old French girl who idolized the idea of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, just like the majority of LA at the time. And Baker was 45 at the time. Okay. And he was like. Hell yeah, this girl's young enough to be my daughter. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, gross. Dora encouraged Baker to use mind-altering drugs, and he eventually becomes addicted to both alcohol and drugs. Great. In order to support his habit, he started stealing the cash from the register at work, and in the later half of 1967, one of the investors of the restaurant caught wind of this and hired a PI to follow Jimmy around. I was gonna say, isn't it his own restaurant? Well, he has investors that he, like, helps Uh... support the business and stuff, yeah. Okay. When Baker found out about this, he responded by selling the restaurant and running off with Dora to Mexico. Uh, (laughs) Dora the Explorer, if you will. You're all over the place. Uh, Where they got married and he reignited his spiritual ideologies, Hmm. which had simmered down for the last two years due to Dora not really showing much interest in, you know, Yahweh and all that stuff. Yeah. um, Something tells me he wasn't in it for her brains. No, maybe her tits. Yeah. So in 1968, Jim returned to L.A. with new ideas and energy and ready to spread them to whoever would listen. And he came upon a man named Ray Feldman while on a hiking trail just out of outside of L.A. Jim told Ray Feldman about his beliefs, which were a mixture of like what he had learned from Paul, his previous mentor, some obscure texts that he supposedly read by monks living on the edge of the Dead Sea when Jesus Christ was alive. Oh, that's Uh, specific. (laughs) Where'd you find those, buddy? Well, he said Uh, that they were lost inside the Vatican Library until they were rediscovered and translated by a Hungarian philosopher. I'm unsure how Jim found these texts, but that's where he said they came from. Okay. There was Uh, no internet, so I guess... um, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) He called up... He texted someone. Yeah. He FaceTimed. Strange. Uh, Anyway, long story short, uh, Feldman gave Baker uh, $35,000, which is the equivalent to $250,000 today, to open a new vegetarian restaurant that were inspired by the secret vegetarian teachings of Jesus. Oh. And here comes the source. I just... God, I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. Which was opened on Uh, April 1st, 1969. Wow. April 1st is Katniss's birthday. Oh, Kitty Katniss. Kitty Katniss, our little Aries. Uh, It was basically like Baker's first restaurant and served uh, organic and vegetarian foods and was located on a high traffic part of Sunset Strip. Yeah. So essentially just like the other two. Yeah. Uh, food that Jesus ate. Listen, Because he was a vegetarian, evidently. Apparently. Didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Huh. Uh, you and Kylie would fucking love this restaurant. <laughs> uh, it was designed with an indoor waterfall. Shut up. Lots of candles, uh, a fireplace, uh, and some zen music to really uh, play on the hippie vibe. That's, I love yeah, it. You guys would have been patrons. <laughs> uh, all of the servers were young and attractive flower children. Uh, Dora was not a businesswoman and just wanted to continue her lifestyle of drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And she actually left Baker shortly after he opened the restaurant and she went back to France. Yeah, because 
yeah, being it, a business lady doesn't fit the vibe of, you know, a 19-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> However, old Jimmy, he took this well and responded by illegally marrying another woman named Mila. Oh. Which is funny because Dora did the same thing and married another man while she was abroad in France. But they were still married. So. But they were still married. <laughs> yes. Uh, it gets even more wild from here. Okay. Dora came back to LA to end things with Baker officially and tell him she moved on and married someone else. And new wifey Mila was also pissed off about this. So she got her marriage to Jim annulled, which I don't know why you would need to. It wasn't a valid it marriage. It wasn't even a thing anyway. Whatever. Uh, so Dora's <laughs> new husband found out about all this and their, their marriage got annulled. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Let's just not get married. Maybe let's not do that. I mean, what is this wife number six? Five? Something like that. Let's just stop just doing stop getting that. Married. <laughs> uh, in turn, Dora officially divorced Jim, and he was just feeling so abandoned and lonely. By his 19-year-old child bride. Yep. So he went off and... God uh, damn it. You know, he went off and married someone else. It's all Dora's fault. Uh-huh. She, she left, left him. him. Yeah. Uh, to his dying day, his cult followers state that Jim never got over Dora leaving him because it hurt his little baby ego. Ugh. And it made him so vulnerable. Upon meeting his third pseudo-daddy figure, Yogi Bajan. Oh. Jim met Yogi at a house party hosted by a vegetarian cookbook author about a month after the opening of The Source in May Wait, of 1969. What? Is his name Yogi or is he a Yogi? His, he, he is a Yogi. His oh, okay. name is Bajan. Okay. So Yogi. Right. Yep. So he meets Yogi in May of 1969. And Jim, who was always so like used to being the center of attention, was pissy paws and jealous of how everyone at the party was only paying attention to Yogi. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he was leaving the party, Yogi grabbed his attention and invited Jim to meditation the, the following morning. morning. Yogi was a Pakistani, Pakistani Sikh who traveled the world during the 1960s teaching the practice of Kundalini Yoga, which focuses on the central nervous system. I love, I love yoga. And meditation. I don't do it, but I love it. I, I could not. I can't sit still like that. It, oh, I have well, to focus so much of my energy to not bounce my leg while we're recording. That's why I'm recording. holding my legs down right now. I have to, I have to put my toes on the ground, like like on, like on tippy toes, so that I don't do it. I could not do yoga. We recorded a whole episode once where we were in the very beginning. It was like the third episode we recorded, and we were both... All you could hear is thump, 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 thump. <laughs> The whole time. I was like, we gotta redo this one. <laughs> Uh, so Yogi, uh, his teachings including meditation, chanting, Ray can do that, she likes yelling, controlled breathing exercises, a vegetarian diet, and the avoidance of both drugs and alcohol. Hmm. Which isn't going to fit for Jim if he's still doing drugs and alcohol. Yeah. The style of dress included a long and flowing robes wearing a white turban. Love which is the turban. photos that you saw. Oh, mm-hmm. that's yep. funny. That's a look. Yep. So sometime during the late 1960s, Yogi also picked up a few of the Western ideologies as well and worked them into his belief system. So Jim converted to Sikhism and started dressing in all-white robes, growing out his hair and beard in solidarity with his new master, Yogi. They're BFFs now. So Jim started claiming that Yogi was the father of the new coming age and had cards placed on all the tables at the source declaring this and that Yogi was God. Oh, so he's pushing this off on somebody else for now. For now. Oh. 
Less than a year after this, Jim Baker would become the leader of his own cult. Oh, there it is. Yep. (laughs) Yogi attempted to place some boundaries with Jim, and he didn't react well to this. And it's likely he had a reactive uh, attachment disorder. Hmm. Uh, And in turn, he removed all the place cards from the source with Yogi on them. But then he repacked them, like, the next day and put them back on the tables. Don't know why. Okay. Yogi ended up banning Jim from his groups, and Jim reacted to this by breaking in overnight and waiting for Yogi to arrive. At his own restaurant? It's like Yogi. Or no, not his restaurant. Separate. It's like Yogi's like place where he was doing like the meditation uh, classes and stuff. Oh, okay. So in the summer of 1969, our guy finds love again. God damn it. In another woman, much too young for. It reminds me of um Taylor Swift's All Too Well song where she uh says I that. Think I know that one. It's the 10 minute version specifically. <laughs> 10 minutes. 10, it's Taylor. well worth it. Worth it. But she talks about um how her exes, uh, he who must not be named, Jake Gyllenhaal, all, she would grow older, but all of his future girlfriends would stay the same age. Oh. Because he likes them young. Has, has that happened? Yeah. Oh, I need to learn. I got to do more research got, on you, our Alyssa, girl Taylor. Get on TikTok and just search it. <laughs> Did you see our little marquee whenever you come into mm-hmm. the neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> it says, go Taylor's boyfriend. Go Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> so in the summer of 1969, he finds the love. We're going, we're going back. Oh, God. Robin was 19 years old and loved hanging out at the source, wearing nothing but a white bikini. And she was also uh, like a wild love child, like Dora, his type. Yeah. Robin, though, she didn't have any attraction or feelings towards Jim because he's an old man. And she turned him down time and time again and said, bitch, you're too old for me. Go away. (laughs) Uh, Jim never learned how to have healthy boundaries, though. He probably was also never told no. So he just kept at it and didn't have any social awareness on how to build a healthy relationship. So naturally, he just started following Robin in his car when she would leave the restaurant and calling out to her, begging her to go on a date with him. So now he's stalking her. Great. This is where it gets wild, and we're going to intersect with another cult. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. There's a reason for this. So most people would have reported this to the police for harassment or stalking, but Robin actually agreed to go out with him for one night. If he promised to never bother her again, she's like, listen, I'll go out with you. But if we don't have a good time, you have to leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Robin was actually supposed to go to meet a friend that night, a friend named Sharon Tate. (gasps) And luckily she didn't go because that night happened to be August 8th, 1969. (gasps) The night that Sharon Tate and her friends were murdered by Charles Manson and some of his followers. Shut up. Yep. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That just gave me chills. Yeah. So she was on a date with him. Uh-huh. And that's why she didn't go over to Sharon Tate's house. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't get murdered. Yep. Wow. That was crazy. So she didn't get murdered by one cult, but she's going to have her life ruined by this one. Oh, wow. Huh. So Robin saw this on the news the next morning and realized had she not gone out with Jim, yes. she would have been killed. Uh- so the two became lovers, and she was dedicated to him. Of course. Because she's like, oh, he has these powers. He saved powers. Me. He knew. He knew that I was going to die, and he saved me. And she preached this to everyone else. She's like, listen, you got you to gotta follow this man. He saved my life by taking me out on a shitty date. That is totally bananas, though. I know. Isn't that wild? I love that. 
Damn, that's crazy. So okay. Robin and Jim married in May of 1970. And that same month, he started teaching meditation classes on Sundays at the Source. Okay, Sunday morning. Sunday Sounding morning. a little churchy. Yep. The same students that attended this class on Sundays also worked at the Source or were frequent patrons that were there constantly throughout the week. Jim unintentionally developed power over his uh, students. And this jump started at the beginning of the cult because he likes the power. Yep. The longer this went, the less subservient Jim was to Yogi and his teachings. And Jim began to realize just how much power he had over students. Oh, boy. He's like, I don't need to follow Yogi anymore. I can just have my own own students. Most of his attendees were very young and impressionable. And they obeyed Jim throughout the classes without any hindrance. He would even, like, well, yeah, test them. Probably like, all teenagers. Have them, like, do weird stuff that was not a part of, like, yoga or meditation. And if they did it, he'd give them more power. Uh. So by December of 1970, the source was on the verge of becoming bankrupt due to poor management. And uh, Jim, as he had done multiple times before, left his wife and the restaurant and went to India to visit Yogi. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> He's like, oh, my life, is, my life is in fucking uh, crumbles. I'm just going to leave. Oh, I'll be back. When is his birthday? Oh, 4th of July. 4th of July. Okay. Uh, it's a... Uh... Cancer? Yes, cancer. My dad's a cancer. Is he also 4th of July? No, he's uh, June 29th. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it is mm-hmm. cancer. Uh, Robin, she stepped up to the plate, though. She's like, I'm going to fix this. And she worked with the managerial staff at the restaurant to get them out of debt. And by the time Jim returned from his trip, they all referred to themselves as the Source Family. So they all came up with that name mm-hmm. while he was not even there? While he was not there. But they're all doing it for him. Whoa. That's how much power he has over there. <laughs> oh my god, he wasn't even there. Nope. Damn. So Jim broke ties with Yogi for good and took on his new name, Father Yod, and he would be leading them to a new enlightened human race. Yeah, well. Robin was Jim's biggest supporter and would tell anyone who would listen that he was a prophet and had power that needed to be shared with the world. And many of the Source family recounted uh, visions they had during meditation class about a man with long hair and a white flowing robe who they needed to follow. And they identified this man with Jim. Who sounds a lot like Jesus. And Dustin. (laughs) His long flowing hair and beard. Yeah, I don't know if we're talking about Uh... Jesus or Dustin, but they thought it was Jim. So the Source family members believed that Jim was chosen by God to lead them into the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. As foretold by the stars. It's written in the stars. It's written in the stars. <laughs> Jim set the instructions for living, which he named the Ten Commandments okay. for the age of Aquarius. <laughs> okay. Let's be a little bit more original here, no. Jim. Nah. <laughs> and uh, most of his followers eagerly went with the new set of rules, which they believed were a set of laws to govern the behavior of an elite group of God's chosen people. What are they? Do we know them? Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay, good. Uh, The first commandment was to obey and live by the teachings of your earthly spiritual father. Him. Him. Uh, The second was love this spiritual father more than yourself, which clearly was a play for Jim to figure out uh, which of his followers he had, like, influence and power over, like, which ones were really going to do this shit for him. Yeah. Uh, So far, these actually do sound like the Ten Commandments. The rest of them sound exactly like that. They're almost word for word the same. Okay. Except at the end, they have something about following Father Yod in them. (laughs) I need some creativity, my friend. Yep. The first test worked so flawlessly that he began his next test and demanded that all of the source employees and followers give up their belongings and move in together into the communal home. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah. We're getting full circle. Uh, he told the followers they were all putting strain and stress on themselves by paying different rents, when instead they could just all pull their money and live in one nice large home. I actually don't hate that idea. Maybe not the same home, but, like, the same plot of land. That's what Kayla's mom wants. Like, that's her dream, is to just have a family commune. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back to the good old days. Uh, but uh, Chief, uh, Papa, the, the husband, he's like, fuck no. I want my space from you fucking nutheads. <laughs> hey, it could be a big plot of land. It could. I don't then, hate the idea. But um, Kayla and Ray, they really, they love attention. So they would... <laughs> constantly yeah and nini she's got self-inviting she's got emptiness syndrome she's just gonna invite everybody over all the time uh jim's thoughts for this however were that uh he could just control all of them easier if they're all confined into one home that's true yeah uh so they didn't need much convincing to do this and uh the new commune was a nine foot square foot (laughs) oh god jesus christ the old uh, nine foot square foot, foot. <laughs> nine foot square foot uh so the new commune was a nine thousand square foot chandler mansion in the hollywood hills which was eventually nicknamed the mother house huh that's my least favorite name so far of all the names yeah <laughs> but a, a nine thousand square foot mansion god damn yeah wait till you see what they move into next oh okay it used to be home to the publisher of the LA Times and has 24 rooms plus an Olympic-sized pool. How much money did these people have? Apparently a lot. God. So days at the commune began with an early morning swim in the pool. Love that. Followed by meditation. Check. Smoking the sacred herb. Okay. A.K.A. pot. Sure. And then they would share the workload of chores at the home and work in the restaurant for the rest of the day. Hey, I'm kind of here for all of that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> On Sundays, the entire family would dress in white and drive out to the beach to wade in the ocean while holding hands. <laughs> it sounds kind of lovely. It sounds so dumb. <laughs> Jim didn't live at the mansion, though. Oh. Instead, he was in a private apartment above the Source restaurant with Robin. But he used the commune to establish his power over the family. One of the things was the uh, initiation process, oh. which was called family lifestyle. Okay. So he didn't even live at this house. No, but everybody else did. He presented it as a way to ensure anyone living in the commune was a good fit for the rest of the family, but really it just served to brainwash the new members. Uh, So first step to see if you're a good fit uh, was that anyone interested as a member would get a copy of Jim's teachings and then they would be invited to Sunday meditation. Okay. After three meditation classes, Jim would question the newcomer on why they wanted to be there and what drew them to the class. If they convinced him of their devotion, he would welcome them in and request that they hand over anything of value they owned. That's a must. Yes. A majority of these people uh, didn't make it past that step because most people will not willingly turn over everything they own. But if they did, they were rewarded with the life at the new mansion and the approval of Jim Baker. Wow. Final step was that new members were given a printout of Jim's most recent teachings, which they were expected to organize in a binder and then take an oath of secrecy to not talk about the teachings with anyone outside the family, especially their own families, because they were to give up their families and lifestyle and possessions and freedom of speech. Yep. First rule of Fight Club. You don't don't talk talk about about Fight Club. Club. (laughs) (laughs) Then they would be given their new names uh, that Jim would give them. Are they fun names? A lot of them are. 
So, in April of 1972, a 15-year-old member of the cult named Heaven became pregnant by a 28-year-old member of named Sunflower. Okay. It was, she was almost at her due date. Yeah. Jim preached against any form of modern medicine and decreed that Heaven should have her baby at the mother house and away from any medical professional who may question how a 15-year-old child, yeah. child got pregnant in the first place by a 28-year-old man. Yeah. Uh, and the couple agreed about this, and they wow. placed full trust in Jim Baker. Despite the fact that no one in the family had any medical background whatsoever because they all work at a restaurant. <laughs> They're all in the food business, yeah, not the baby business. I mean, they can probably make some Brussels sprouts, but I don't think they can deliver a baby. Yeah. So nearly a uh, hundred members of the Source family gathered into a room at the mother house to witness the birth of the cult's first baby. Oh my. What a milestone. The birth lasted 22 hours uh, and heaven was in excruciating pain and no one could help her. When the baby finally fully emerged from her body, the umbilical cord was wrapped around its neck and he couldn't breathe. Oh my. Oh. Uh, this is not an unexpected or unusual thing to happen. And it's typically not life-threatening to the child because you can just simply unwrap the cord yeah. from the baby's throat. Sure. Like, I think it, like, I think when I was reading about this, it happens in like one in five babies. Yeah. But the family didn't know that. So Jim picked up the baby and uh. said one of his stupid-ass prayers and unwrapped the cord from the baby's neck so he could breathe. The followers thought this was a sign of God showing them Jim's power, and they called it a miracle. Okay. Uh-huh. Because you do the thing that is obvious to do. Because yeah. he also, he's had his own child before. Yeah. So he probably knew that you'd probably have to unwrap the umbilical cord from someone's neck. And that, I mean. You just boop, boop. All you gotta do. it. That's yep. not a miracle, friends. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's just common sense. That's... Baby not breathing, unwrap All... baby neck. Science. <laughs> yeah, not even science. So at first, <laughs> Jim told his followers that man and woman should be one. So they shouldn't be having any affairs or cheating of any kind, etc. It's in one of his commandments. Uh, except it, when it was going to benefit him. Well, yeah. Because two years after his marriage to Robin, he laid eyes on a new lady friend. What is the 19-year-olds? Which she was also 19. God damn. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, anyway, we'll just call him Jake Gyllenhaal. He went back on his original <laughs> commandment and said that God said all women should be able to freely choose their own lovers, which is very empowering for women. Uh, at first, the women of the family saw this as very liberating, and it gave Jim some goodwill from the female members, while down the line he would end up making this new policy more misogynistic and would allow him to have a sexual relationship with whoever he wanted. Yeah, I mean... This is all going to be for Jim in the end. Yeah. So Robin was devastated by this and tried to remind Jim of his commandment that he referred. And uh, Jim retorted by telling her she was spiritually backwards and unfit for the enlightened age. Oh. So um, he loves gaslighting. Robin became depressed and sick and stopped eating to the point where she was weak and ill. While all of this is happening, Jim ended up being chosen by several more women to be his lover. And he had 14 wives at one point. <laughs> <laughs> one four 14 they're all 19 yeah almost all of their ages two, add up to his age for two weeks straight <laughs> he could have a different lady every night oh my unfortunately for the family they would soon lose the mother house due to the fact it was the same neighborhood as the sharon tate home where she was murdered and their lease was not renewed due to the fact that the neighbors didn't want to live next to another cult they're like, this house got murdered by a cult. This one has a cult living in it. We kind of don't want that we in kinda... our fancy-ass neighborhood. Yeah, the HOA said no. So they were just renting this house. Yeah, they didn't buy this house. They were just renting oh. it. Oh, huh. 
Huh. So Jim, who's 51 now, managed to find a three-bed, three-bath home in the hills close to the Source restaurant. Which, if you remember, uh, the mother house was 23 bedrooms. Yeah. So I'm not sure why he thought this would work, uh, but they called this home the father house. They went from a gigantic <laughs> mansion to like a house this size. Yeah. Maybe smaller. Yeah, that's why it's called the father. <laughs> Okay. Uh, everything stayed pretty much the same uh, otherwise, but for day to day operations, etc. Uh, but Jim started expanding his beliefs with the emphasis on uh, his power. So he started calling himself the Jewish name for God, Jehovah, and started teaching his followers about the ancient Egyptian magic and the Freemasoners. I'm here for the ancient Egyptian magic. Mm-hmm. Could give a shit less about Freemasons. I mean, they like... <laughs> I don't to, care. They, they prayed to cats and stuff, so I get I know. it. I know. I love Egypt. Kitty Cat is, is the dictator <laughs> of our home, so I get it. She is. <laughs> So the musicians of the home also became more official when Jim converted the garage in the new home to a soundproofing studio. Oh, we're doing that with the game room. We are. (laughs) So we can record in there. And he spent 50 grand on new instruments for the band, which would equate to around uh, 300 grand today. Oh, I didn't realize they were so musically inclined. Yeah, just like the Manson family. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's copycatting it. Yeah. So the family members would go to the garage where they would hold recording sessions and play together. And they were actually fairly organized at first with like writing and recording their own music until Jim blew this to shambles and made himself the lead singer. Of course. Yeah. He's the star. Yes. And unfortunately, he had no musical talent at all (laughs) and would just randomly start chanting or banging on different instruments. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> but uh, when you're in a band with a man you think is God, uh, you, you kind of have to do what he says. And they ended up recording an astonishing 65 albums over three years. Uh, what? Yeah. Are they like... They're self-published, but yeah. Are they still around? Can uh, we listen to them? I don't want to, but you're more than happy to. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, okay. Old Jimmy, he loved pretending to be a rock star. Yeah. He would wear tailor suits. He had photo shoots taken of him and his 14 wives with them, like, surrounded by pounds of cash. <laughs> uh, he bought a Rolls Royce and started having his followers chauffeur him around. Wow. When uh, we probably could rent a larger home than a three-bed, three-bath, but let's buy a Rolls Royce. Yeah. So by mid-1973, overcrowding at the father house led to an outbreak of staph infection. Oh boy. And since Jim (laughs) forbade the use of modern medicine, the followers tried to heal themselves with chanting and shit. But that's not going to work. No, that's not going... No, we need medication. Yep. So the infection spread from member to member until it got to a woman named Anastasia, who developed the infection in her breast. And she also happened to be breastfeeding at the time to her daughter, Libra. Libra. I know you would. As soon as I was writing that, I was like, she's going to love that name. (laughs) I love it. So the infection went to Libra's lungs. And at first, Anastasia tried to follow Jim's rules about medical care. But when she realized her daughter was struggling to breathe, she made the decision to take her to the ER, where the doctors hook her up to an IV and told Anastasia she would have died had she let the baby be without medical treatment for one more hour. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's not gonna be happy about that oh, but no. that makes he, sense he heard about this and he tightened his control over the home Ugh. his first act was to remove any power women had in the home and instead they were completely to obey the man he assigned them to in the home oh gross so they can't choose their own husband either he not, assigned not them. anymore nope they were also no longer allowed to work outside of the commune and instead spent their entire day cooking and cleaning their for their male partners no thank so. you yeah <laughs> no <laughs> yeah 
So Jim told them these new policies were the word of God, and they needed to follow them as a necessary part of their journey to enlightenment. Yeah. Is it the word of God, or is it his word? Or is it Jimmy? Yeah. Hmm. Jim, he also forced all the followers to register as Sikhs with California, because that religion prohibits embalming, and they're exempt from the California law of being embalmed or refrigerated within 24 hours of death. What's the point of that? You'll find out. Oh, okay. So one of the followers, Isis, who was also the family documentarian. Oh, uh, she like love that job. She uh, like took all the photos at family events and yeah. all that. Kind of like what you do. <laughs> uh, she told Jim she had become pregnant and he was angry with her and told her she was not meant to be with a, a mother in this lifetime. Not meant to be a mom? Yep. Okay. He said, you're not meant to be a mother in this lifetime. Hmm. Uh, but in all honesty, he was probably angry she was pregnant with another man's baby. Because uh, he liked oh, yeah. yeah. It's not his. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And when her baby, Empress, oh, stop uh-huh, it with the great names, was born, she was weak and small, and Isis took oh. this as Jim being correct about his prophecy. Oh. Jim went further and told Isis that her daughter was meant only to take a single breath and nothing more. Oh, God. But Isis did not completely give up on her daughter as much as Jim probably wanted her to. <laughs> but she also didn't take her to a doctor to be evaluated. And Empress only lived a few months when Isis woke up one morning to find her baby girl dead. And looking like a skeleton because she was so malnourished. Oh, well, that's sad. Mm-hmm. So sometime in the mid-1970s, Jim was investigated for tax fraud. I mean, <laughs> you probably should. I believe that, yeah. He, he was also uh, continuing to broaden his um, horizons for spiritual belief and began studying the teachings of a British occultist, Aleister Crowley, who called his teachings sex magic. Oh, Okay. Uh, sex magic. How old is he at this point? Uh, 60? Uh, mid 50s. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, sex magic is the belief that certain sexual practices unlock a mystical energy within the power to affect change elsewhere in the universe. So, <laughs> if I have sex with you right now, we're going to feed 50 homeless people. That's essentially in... what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Yes. <laughs> okay. So he started by teaching his followers the magic of tantric sex, which aims to tap into a more profound sexual and spiritual experience by withholding climax and emphasizing touch and eye contact. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're just being very intimate. Yeah. Uh, he followed up with this by introducing some rituals that were so unsettling for the members, some of them still refused to talk about it. Well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this ritual was called Kadash, and it involved menstruating women to have sex with several men because their blood mixed with the semen would then be drank by the members of the cult. I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe I had to write that. <laughs> you just said that out loud. <laughs> uh-huh. I was uh, listening to a... Um, uh, like a YouTube video on this. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I had to like re-listen to it because I could not believe what I just heard. What? Yep. That's really foul. Uh, a lot of the members, um, for whatever reason, they started to leave the, the cult during this time. Yeah. I can't imagine why. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, he reached a peak of unhinged behavior when he told his followers that the U.S. was about to be pulled into a nuclear war so terrible that only the Source family would survive it. Okay. Yeah, which started the us versus them mentali- mentality. Yeah, because if we build a giant boat, we'll survive the flood yep. and that'll kill everyone else. Yes. 
Correct. (laughs) A lot of lines being drawn here. Okay. So, in late 1974, Jim sold the Source restaurant and packed up all of his cult members and moved them all to the island of Kauai. Oh. In Hawaii. That sounds... Not great for Kauai. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, like the oldest and like most least inhabited island. They don't like outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, he told the family that he had visions of mangoes and coconuts... Proving that Hawaii would be safe from the apocalypse. So that's the only place that they could go because he saw a mango. He saw and and coconuts. And a coconut in a vision. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Uh, He found a 13-acre property on Kauai. It's like super Very remote super remote like native hawaiians live there yeah not fucking white people uh so they yeah ruin everything yeah uh let's just say they were not thrilled about jim and his uh followers coming yeah so the natives of the island began threatening the family members and trying to run them over with their cars or shooting at them oh yeah yeah i mean you dug your hole jim Jim eventually bought a 45 caliber pistol and posted members on guard at the property and armed them with bows and arrows in order to protect himself and the cult. He also set up an archery range and taught his members how to shoot, and if someone were to try and attack another family member, they were instructed to shoot to kill. Okay. So he's completely lost it yes. at this point. Oh, yes. I mean, he had been losing it, but... But now we're just way off. Yeah. Let's just kill everyone mm-hmm. in the land that we took. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over and the locals aren't happy about it just kill him it's fine yeah just history call, repeats itself just call him christopher columbus exactly so uh yeah jimmy got tired of the treatment from the native hawaiians because they're just so mean hmm. and after a few months he purchased tickets for himself four of his wives including robin and two male followers to travel the world in search of a new home because it ain't gonna work out in hawaii yeah so jim traveled all over from india to egypt to greece denmark germany england and canada where is he getting all of this money? He was pr- fucking tax evasion, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And I guess he took everyone else's money. Yeah, he had everybody else's money. Uh. They were only renting a three-bedroom home, and he had the restaurant, so. How many people are in this? 150. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he was flying first class, uh, living lavishly in, like, nice five-star hotels, while the rest of the cult was back in Hawaii barely hanging on since they couldn't get jobs or even buy food. There's nowhere to work. It's an island. Nobody will hire you. <laughs> yeah. So the followers managed to get uh, welfare applications approved by the state of Hawaii so that they could fly into San Francisco, where they waited for their leader to get back in April of 1975. Hmm. The family was able to beg for enough money to afford rent for a few hotel rooms where they lived out of the next three weeks. Since there was only four rooms, they had to sleep uh, sitting up and shoulder to shoulder in order to fit all of them. Yeah, 150 people? In three rooms. Uh. Yeah. Baker blamed his male followers for the living situation since they couldn't take care of their own, and authorities were starting to give them some unwanted attention due to the unhealthy living conditions. Yeah. Imagine that. Well... So in June of 1975, Baker returned to Hawaii, this time going to the Big Island instead, and some of the followers came with when they could. So everyone was on the brink of a mental breakdown. Yeah. And many of the members started using cocaine and nitrous oxide as a way to escape reality. What the hell is nitrous oxide? Um, I think it's like the, uh canned air like a hallucinogen it provides rapid and short-lived rush of euphoria happiness or exciting uh, yeah i think it's like storing the can or the um whippets oh. 
Yeah, uh, you know what whippets are? Yeah, the um, yeah, the the, can- the whipped cream canisters. I was gonna say that, and I was like, I don't know if she knows what that is because she didn't work at Starbucks. <laughs> but I am from Kentucky. Could- oh, you are from the Tuck. Yep. Yeah, I had to um, fire a girl one time because she was sniffing the whippets. <laughs> it was really what? awkward. Uh, how so, old was she? Like sixteen? No, she was like twenty, mid twenties. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Same Do that on me. your own time. Same age as me at the time. <laughs> so, uh, in August of 1975, Jim moved in with a friend of one of his followers who was a hang gliding expert who had a house on the hilltop in Lanakai, uh, which is in Oahu. Okay. So we're now going That's from... Really random. We went from Kauai to the Big Island to Oahu. Okay. And Oahu's were like the naval bases and stuff. Oh. Uh, and he spent a lot of time on the porch, staring out at the ocean and talking to himself about what the Source family would do to survive once he was gone. They just, what are they going to do without me? Okay. Uh, it was like a power play move because he wanted to escape the responsibility he had as a cult leader, but also did not want to relinquish his title. Is he about to unalive himself? Why you got to ruin it? <laughs> So on the morning, August 25th, 1975, he told his followers he was going to go ahead of them to make their next home on the star of Sirius. Whoa. Yeah, Sirius is a Harry Potter character also. Oh, yeah? Yep. Sirius. Sirius Black. Black. Yep. I was going to say that. Mm -hmm. Is he a snake? Or the snake um, house? No. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. No, he's a Gryffindor. (laughs) Slytherin. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. The snake one? (laughs) Don't look at me like that. (laughs) So a few hours later, after meditation, the family made their way up to a cliff for Jim Baker's first hang gliding attempt. Uh. Where he had absolutely no training. He had never done it before. And this part of Oahu was famous for its strong winds, and only expert hang gliders could do it efficiently and safely. So some of the family members protested this, but Jim ensured them he would be just fine because Jesus would take care of him. And he was going to get his own star. Yeah, and Jesus they were take all the wheel. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy jumped the cliff with his gear and soared for a few minutes until the wind stopped and he plummeted down around 1,300 feet where he crashed into a campground. Uh, as they all watched? Yep. And uh, the best part uh, is he's still alive. Oh! <gasps> They all rushed what? down there to find their leader. Um, he was alive, but unable to move. Yeah. And since he forbade the use of modern medicine, uh. the followers just carried him back to the commune, gave him some aspirin, champagne, marijuana, cocaine, <laughs> and nitrous oxide to ease his pain. I mean, that combination alone will probably kill you if yeah. the fall hadn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a few hours later, uh, he would die with his uh, favorite wife, Mashula. Oh. Laying beside him, and his followers were devastated and heartbroken. Oh my god. They mourned with his body for three days <sighs> before they allowed the authorities to take him away. What? Mashula took over as the head of the family for about two years until the cult went their separate ways in 1977, about eight years after it began. What? <laughs> Some of the members went on and lived productive lives in society while others remained devoted to Jim Baker and his teachings. Uh, Isis, the historian of the group, remains working to keep the cult alive and claims she speaks with him regularly and that she has to keep the work of the Source family alive for Jim. That was bonkers. Yeah. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. was so crazy. Uh, So he didn't actually kill anybody in the 
cult, just no. the two people before the cult even I actually mean, started. I would say that he's responsible slightly for the death of that baby. Uh, but he didn't physically kill the baby. Yeah, just neglect and yeah. unwanting to get outside help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, um, I'm never going to hang glide. No, 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 no. Uh, especially off of a cliff 1,300 feet above no jagged rocks and yeah, no. <laughs> shit it's not gonna happen damn well we needed a we needed a good cold because we've had some real rough ones. sad ones yeah what was that up uh, no it was last week uh, uh we had the toy box and uh, um cassie joe yep that was sad someone asked me for ed gein again so i have to do that one soon <laughs> oh my god ed gein and john wayne gacy are the most requested Ugh. You're gonna hate both those. Goddamn Pogo the Clown. I know about uh, Gacy. I don't really know about Ed Gein, really. Um, Something about nipples. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Did he make the skin chair? I don't know. The skin lamp. That's what it was. Oh God. Uh, that's yeah, no. rough. Okay. Well, um, glad we did this one this week. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Oh, uh, March twentieth will be at trivia at yep. the Brew Lab. Yep. Down t- downtown Charleston. Yeah. Come check us out. Say hey. Um. We're gonna do some true crime trivia. Mm-hmm. And. Dustin and I are going to go watch the Doc Dogs at Seawee. I'm going to go pick up Kayla's prescription and grocery shop like the domesticated <laughs> housewife that I am. <laughs> when did we become oh, this my... way? <laughs> when did the transformation happen? Well, I've always been this way. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, before you go, follow us on Instagram at hashtag murderpod. Spell it all out. Spell it all out. And if you like this, leave us a review. Give us five stars. Please we would do. really appreciate it. And oh, our new hash brown is Emily. Yeah. Um, there might be more. Is she sense. the one with the weenie I dog? Yes. Yes. I can't. Um, I can't log into my. Oh I'm my having God. a phone issue. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what's happening oh my god um so yes thank you emily we really appreciate it thank you so much and your dog yes <laughs> and um yeah i have to get ready yeah and we're also going antiquing oh so much fun it, it is gonna be fun uh. i can't wait i'm so excited um all right well thanks for hanging out love, love you bye, bye. I got nothing. Don't go hang gliding. Bye. Without training. <laughs> I thought I was going to run out of breath there. Um, be Bye. fun, have safe. Be fun, have safe. <laughs> oh my. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Um, oh shit. Can you give me my phone? Did I leave that? I did. Thank you. Oh, okay. So this cult operated, uh, oop. Okay. <laughs> Very large for his size. Could you see Dustin doing that? Wow. Huh. Uh, They were both drawn to a peaceful and spiritual lifestyle, as well as the 
so one of Hall's beliefs was that a, uh, oh, sorry, in the Topanga Karen. This argument escalated and said, uh, teaching the practice of Kundalini yoga. Did I say that right again? Kundalini. Uh, the longer this went, um, on the less observing, what? This first test worked so flawlessly that he began his next and uh, demand, what? Uh, then they would take in, uh, sorry, prohibits the embalming and they're exempt from like, 24 hour, 